Dort and I'm down and dunk. This is Lee Dort and I'm down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Basley and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, McKelly, it's a big day. It's Monday. It's been less than a week since we've known about the number two pick. If you want a ton of draft content, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk. You can get the athletic for $1 a month for six months. You can also listen to this podcast ad free. You can also listen to a podcast I did last week that was a special edition of the Athletic NBA show where I took callers on our Athletic Live Rooms app, something that I'll be doing throughout this draft process as well. So you can hop on. And if you were happen to be on that call, you can listen to yourself on that podcast. Um, with me as always, Michele Barron. Michele, what's up, man? Well, it's good to be back to our usual routine. I yes. Mean, um, <clears throat> I mean, talking food is nice, but, uh, you know, it's just... Uh... I'll tell you, that was the perfect <clears throat> show for that day. I listened to it, and I needed something to kind of calm me down because I'm just, I'm all riled up. I'm ready for this. I mean, the, the lottery is just such a weird thing. You can control nothing. You can't even analyze anything. Like you can look at the numbers and everything, but it doesn't matter because it's just one. Like you talk about like tankathon spins. It's one spin. Yeah. It just is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. You can't control it. You can't predict it. It just is. And so just listening to you talking about like how you set your pizza dough out, you know, the day before is like, oh, this is great. You know, this is yeah. uh, this is that's that's the content that we needed for that particular day. <laughs> that's what we do at Down to Dunk is we provide you with the content that you need. And now we're going to provide you with draft content uh, through and through. Uh, before we get started, it's my wife and I's 13-year anniversary today. 13 years ago, we got married. Wow! So, Congrats! Big shout out to my awesome wife, Amy. And um, just so thankful. There's a lot to be thankful for. And that's my number one thing to be thankful for today. So, Fantastic. You know what? I want to say something about the lottery because this is something yeah. that never occurred to me. Uh, and I was listening to the well. I watched the video of the of the party, which looked amazing, dude. And it was the best. I mean, the whole time I'm wandering around talking to people and just trying to connect with people, and the whole time I'm just thinking, man, how much better would this be if we if we could get a good pick? Yeah, if you could just get number four, I just that would yes, wait, and. If we got lucky, this place is going to go berserk. And it did. Like, it went absolutely bonkers. And it was yeah. the best. It was one of, it's just one of those memories that I think everybody there will have, you know, for the rest of your life. You're going to remember, I know where I was when the Thunder drew number two. Yeah. And we were there with a bunch of people. I mean, it was, it was a dream come true for us, you know, because you see, not really, not that many fan bases do stuff like that, but the Sixers fan base is a really, really good one. And yeah. they did their lottery party with the Rights to Rookie Sanchez podcast. And I remember watching it and just thinking, holy smokes, like if we could, I would love to be able to do something like that. And to be able to accomplish that, I mean, we couldn't have done it without everybody who's, who listens and shows up and supports us. And, you know, it means the world to us that you guys show up and you bring friends and you, um, do all that and it's a good time for our podcast to grow and it's a good time for our community to grow i mean that's really yeah. what i want out of this um like those events are free we put those on with no we don't want money out of those <laughs> events what we yeah. want is community out of those events just so you guys like are aware of like that's that's what we want yeah. um whenever we gather at places like that we, my expectation is to not get paid, but to create a larger community of people that understand what the Thunder are doing and, you know, have fun discussing it and mm -hmm. become, you know, a lot of people become friends through that. I mean, we've had people that drive in from Tulsa and we had people that drove in from Arkansas. It's just, I mean, it just means so much to me to be able to create a community like that and for it to actually come together 
in a moment. Um, it it just means so so much to me that we're able to do that. So thank you to everybody for for making it out. Yeah, my point was about the pace of the of the. Talk. Oh my like, gosh! It's super fast. So like, fast. For some reason, I had in my mind like something like the draft, mm-hmm. where you have the selection, then you wait a moment, and then I again I watched the video and it seemed fast. Well, maybe Andrew just like cut all the the. The, the waiting in between. No. And then I, I listened to Ben Simmons' podcast um, because Bill I think Simmons. that Jay mentioned it in our... Bill Simmons. Uh, our, Did you say... I think you said Ben Simmons. Did you say Ben Simmons or Bill Simmons? I probably said Ben. I think you did. I was going to say, if Ben Simmons has a podcast, I want to listen to that too, honestly. No, Bill Simmons, sorry. Uh, and it was super fast. I said, wow, that is a rush of emotions. Like, yeah. four, no, three, no, wow. That yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. That is something that I didn't know. Oh, it's so it was so great, man. Yeah. And I think we'll have one more of those. We will have a a, a draft party as well. Uh, we have uh, Penny, our, our buddy Bangelope here, so she's looking forward to the draft party. That will be at Fassler Hall again. So we have already nailed that down, the location. And I just say it's on June 23rd, so a month from today. Be there early. If you have any hopes of sitting down at a place and eating food, get there early, stake out a spot, and get comfortable because the draft is, is a long, it's a longer night than that, and we're going to be there all together. You know, to, for, to have picks at 2, 12, 30, 34, it's going to yeah. be a very exciting night to be there together. And again, you want to be somewhere where somebody can match your energy. I mean, that's, that's what you want. And it's it's ex- just extremely exciting. I'm very very pumped for that. Um, Are you probably going to take the 24th as a day off yeah. just to watch the entire and just I don't know randomly call you for the entire night saying hey I'm here. No, yeah. <laughs> this will not happen. But uh, I'm planning to like to do something because it seems like one draft that I should like at least watch it through. Yeah, man. I mean, this is this is a franchise changer. Uh, getting two and twelve can change yeah. the way it will change the way we think about this team so much. And you know, I already have questions coming through in the chat. Um, Tom Bystander, would you be willing to package twelve Dort favors to trade for Aiton Simmons and Rosillo? We're talking about a similar trade this morning on his podcast. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. And here's something that we need to remember that Sam said at exit interviews. Like he's gonna do everything within his power to not push that friggin' button. And now is not the time to do trades like that. I think we're a year and change away from that being a reality. Yeah. Now it's time to double down. Now it's time yeah. to bring in two very good prospects. One hopefully elite prospect and a very good prospect and develop them and give them time and space and air to breathe. Because the minute you bring on an Aiton with Giddy and Shay and number two, and then you're talking about a team that has some pressure to compete. Now, if you bring number two, number 12, and maybe one other pick where you package 30, 34, trade up, whatever whatever it is, or you take somebody at 30 and 34, you need to figure out what you got. You need the time to figure it out and to understand how do they fit with Giddy, how do they fit with Shea, what does everything look like here? Let it breathe a little bit. And with playing all these young players, like you're going to lose games, and you're likely going to be in the lottery again and in position to move up again. Hopefully, I mean... We've we've since learned this. I think I've said this on a ton of podcasts, but like Jillian Edge, um, that covers the Sacramento Kings, pointed out that every year, it's the seventh pick that moves up. So hopefully the Thunder are at the seventh position, and they move up next year, so that they can prove that the lottery is not rigged when they don't jump. Um, but anyway, I I think that I really think that this uh, draft outcome gives Presti and the team. Um, less pressure on the next draft outcome. Like, mm-hmm. 
they can really try to assess themselves as they are, like trying to build uh, a team that competes hard, yeah. that doesn't have to think about, hey, we should really thinking about um, the next game that we lose because we are winning too much. You know, all those talks, around, even around the team, I think that they can go away yeah. for a moment. The, now, pr- the, pressure, team, the pressure either way can settle down. Yeah, you can just yeah. be who you are yeah. and see who you are for real. Because if this team by January is, I, I don't believe that, but is uh, firmly in, in the playoffs, not in the playoffs, hunt, but say 6-7, because something crazy happened. Mm-hmm. I mean... That is that Presley will not say, hey, uh, let's let's revert to development. Um, they will just let, let them be. Again, I don't think that this team is capable of that. I think that they will naturally be close to the plane, but not firm, firmly there. So uh, maybe they will just do the, the first round of the plane and, and that's it. I mean, they have no pressure either way because they, they already won their second draft. Mm-hmm. And if they are good enough... And there is a chance for them to uh, to be competitive, to be fun. I really think that if they are growing organically, they will let them grow. Yeah. Um, and, maybe and, not adding and, anything at the deadline because this is you don't really want to pay. Yeah. For something, you may be opportunistic. Like there is a player that is out there, like, and you think that, that like, that like is they did worth. with Tabo initially. Exactly, but those are not like acquisition where you are using assets. In order to buy your future, you can you can say, "Hey, I have a pick there that I don't really need. I, mm-hmm. I don't value too much." But this young player that doesn't demand minutes, doesn't demand anything, is out on the market. And I like I I, I throw out a name that it, that is really not relevant for OKC, but just to, to to frame the kind of player like Kobe White is available. Sure. And and Chicago says, "Hey, would you mind give me a protected for a very high highly protected first for Kobe White?" Yeah. Um, if OKC likes that guy, I don't think the Kobe White fits. That's why I used him. I don't want to think about too mu- too much about who the player could be. Sure. But these sort of trades, where you have at least a year of full team control uh, and the possibility to integrate a very young player, these are the things that I, I see Presti doing during during this year. Yeah. Um, I want to. Tom Bystander is the one who asked the Aiden question. I don't want anybody to like dunk on. Tom here because the thing is like we need to be able to these questions need to be asked asked so they they can be answered and so I don't think that he's I mean Tom is somebody that's in our in our mentions and in our questions and on the stream a lot so I don't think Tom necessarily thinks that this is what should be happening but I I do think that those questions need to be asked and answered so that everybody can understand the track that the Thunder are on uh, the track this year is still fully developmental, you know, and there's people floating around stuff that Shea may not be long for the Thunder. I heard KOC say that. I've heard other people say that. That's just not the case. That's just not the case. Shea is definitely a part of what they're doing. And to, I think some people may just assume that maybe he's not because he is already on his second deal and he's a little bit older, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. Like, I think Shea is fully part of this. To me, if you're going to be good in a couple years, you have to have Shea. <laughs> like, you are going to be, yep. if you remove Shea from this, from this piece, you are immediately trying to find somebody that does what Shea does. And so you don't trade him now. Not now. You got the two pick. You got two 12 giddy Dort. No, not now. No, no. Like this is this is where you celebrate that you made that trade with the Clippers, and that like that trade is already looks insane to get Shea and number twelve, and yeah. like that's just the beginning, guys. That's just yeah. the beginning, and the Clippers will probably be better next year. Who knows what they look like the year after? But these picks that the Clippers have, like even if it's even if. You know, it's Shea, 12, and then maybe some, like, picks in the 20s. Like, holy smokes, that's a re- that's an incredible deal for that's Paul George. That's insane value. It is. Insane value. I mean, you could argue that you'd just rather have Shea, period, as a young, rebuilding team. Now, if Paul George is a better NBA player than Shea today, will that be the case in two years? 
I don't know. Would that be the case this year? I don't know. I mean, the injury, that's the, the point. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it will be, but there is at least the the question doesn't seem stupid. Yeah. Which is, like, we are two years removed, for, three years removed from that, and Shea is an amazing player. Mm-hmm. Um, OKC had to give up basically nothing because they that trade was like a need for OKC. If you really see now yeah. how in, in the position where OKC was. It's like being very close to the worst fall of your life. Yeah. And someone says, hey, can I pay you to, to, to give you a rope and, 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 and holding you? Like, yeah, but that, you need to pay me a lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, because, I mean, if you look at... As is today, yes, PG was under contract, Russ was under contract. Yeah. But I think that internally, Sam knew, hey, this is not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like it's gonna blow up. Winning. It's gonna blow up in our face. And it already kind of had because of the way the first the first two years of the playoffs went. Yeah. Um yeah, it's just it's it would have it could have gone so so poorly. And yeah. it's, it went about as perfectly as you can ask for. And in that you do get, I mean, we would talk about it all the time, like the best assets the Thunder have right now are their own picks and the most yeah. controllable assets are their own picks. And the fact that they drew number two this year and you get the the bonus of 12 is massive. And Shea's progress and Shea's willingness to to be here and to work hard and to get better is a huge part of what they're doing. So like, don't let, don't let any of that stuff that's being put out there really deter you. I think that a lot of people don't have a good feel for what OKC is doing because they don't cover the thunder. Like they don't, they're not around the team. I mean, I can tell you, I was at almost every home game. There are not hardly any national media that come through Oklahoma city and try to get a feel for what's going on. Hardly any at all. And even at games where the Thunder are in Dallas or wherever else, like they're not heavily attended either. And I think people are just making assumptions based on, you know, asset management and the ages and the contracts. But I can tell you with, you know, I feel very confident that Shea is a part of what they're doing and will be a part of what they're doing moving forward. Uh, let's, let's talk about the number two pick, McKellie. I don't really have a good feel for who's going one yet, and we really mm-hmm. shouldn't. It hasn't been that much time. They haven't done all their workouts. They haven't done all their interviews. We don't know what what the Magic are going to do. Let's assume that it's Chet Holmgren, because to me, if you're drawing a line from the that crew that manages that team, they like lanky, athletic kind of weirdo players. You know, this is Jeff Weltman from Milwaukee. You know, this is somebody yeah. that wants, you know, versatility. Like And Chet, it just screams like Chet, 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 Chet. And I've heard that Jabari is, was like initially like the favorite in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the, the word that was coming out from the lottery night and from the combine was that Jabari. But I just have a hard time believing that they're not going to take Chet. I just have... And that may be wrong, and I'll be honestly very happy if they don't, because I do believe the Thunder would take him, and I do think that there's a good chance that he's the preferred player for the Thunder. But let's just say that Chet's gone uh, just for the sake of this conversation. Uh, who who do you want at two? I mean, what's what's your preference there? Um. Well. I really need, in order for for that, and like to answer that question, I would really need to see Paolo Bancari in a gym for two hours. Yeah, I really need to be sold on, and and maybe it doesn't. It, it's not even enough. Like to pass on Jabari shooting, it's something very hard for me to do. Sure. Like very hard. And we were discussing with Alex uh, about ceiling and stuff like that. I know that it sounds like a player that doesn't have creation, sk- need creation skill for others 
seems limited. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, maybe it's true to a certain degree. But if you look about 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", defenders with the possibility to take and make 40% of their trees, mm-hmm. I mean, think about Paul George. Think about uh, Kawhi Leonard. The first, the first and the second thing, thing. Sorry, um, you think about those players. It's not passing. It's not creation for others. It's the fact that they are elite shooters, uh, which Jabari will be, and very good defenders. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this is a this can be a top ten player. Mm-hmm. Can he be number one, two, three, four in the league? Probably not. Feels like a stretch. But it's, yeah. But it's it's still an all NBA talent with the skill that OKC needs the most. Mm-hmm. The two skills I would say that OKC needs the most. Yeah. Because they need defense, they need versatility on defense, and they badly need shooting. Any anybody needs shooting, but OKC really would use a guy that can pick and pop for Shea or just move around screen and and be the target of a giddy pass. If you really think that Giddy and Shea can work together while well, putting a guy like Jabari will make things extremely easy for them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I and he's eighteen. Like, he can learn. He's the, he's the youngest of the trio, which I think is yeah. important to remember. Is that he's a full year younger than Chet and six months younger than Paula, and for that matter, like a more than a year younger than Jaden Ivey. You know, I mean, that's yeah, that's where he is. He and Shaden Sharp are about the same age. Shaden's like a month younger, maybe. Uh, yeah, like the only guys that are younger than Jabari, it's Shaden Sharp, AJ Griffin, and Jalen Duran. Yeah, that, that's gonna go in like the top ten. Everybody else is older than him, which I I think it's a, a really important point because you have to think about the runway of a player. Like, what does Jabari look like in a year? Is yeah. is he better than Chet in a year? Maybe. I mean, that's that's the difference. I mean, that's a sincere difference between those guys. And we've talked about that some, but I do think that it's imp- an important point as we kind of approach the draft is that I like Chet the best. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I don't know how great of an environment Auburn was for Jabari. Or the opportunities that he got there without an elite, even not an elite, with a good playmaker, there wasn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't one. It was a, Jabari had to create a lot of stuff on his own. A lot of people like to point to his two-point percentage, but when I go back and watch Synergy, any time that he's within the three-point line, he's doubled. Like the, yeah. the difficulty of the shots that he had to take within the arc, was it was outrageous. I mean, he couldn't, like that one dribble pull-up that he's got, sometimes he would get an open shot because of that. But if he received the ball kind of at the nail, I mean, there were guys all over him. Yeah. And it was... And still, he was able to hit 38 and change. He still, he still generated good, like he still generated looks there when there really wasn't a look. <laughs> like, let's be like, honest. Off the top of your head, like... And, and I, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that Russell Westbrook, which once was discussed as a very good mid-range shooter before yeah. the, the last couple of years, that was his cotton shot. Wow. Yeah. Um, Jabari Smith is already better as a mid-range shooter oh, than that. Yeah. KD in his first season in the league was a worst uh, pull-up shooter from two. Uh, Jabari is elite. Is, he, he had like 41% of percentage uh, from three off the dribble. That is like insane, mm-hmm. insane for uh, for college um, uh, for college uh, for a college player. So I really think that with a little bit of spacing and Shea will give that to him and and better shot selection because yes, it was not a great shot selection. Um, he will be like a 50, 40, 90 kind of guy. Yeah, I don't think that that's a stretch at all. And also, he's playing with Walker Kessler. I think is another important point to make. Yep, is that he's playing with this like really immobile big, takes up a ton of space in the paint, especially in college basketball. Like the spacing is already worse in college basketball, but then when you play with like a nineteen nineties big man, 
things yeah. are even more difficult for you inside the arc because everybody can crowd. You can help off of Kessler, you know, if you want. And Kessler took some threes, but it took so long for him to wind up that you don't really have to worry about the closeout with him. Like, and nobody worried about that. You don't. So yeah. when Kessler yeah. was out, it was just defenders looking at him and saying, nice. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Synergy's percentile rankings, as a spot-up shooter, he's in the 94th percentile. Mm -hmm. I mean, 133 possessions, which is not insignificant for a college player. Um, 94, 1.2 points per possession on spot-up shots. I mean, to to me, you can look no further than that, say that he's 6'10", 19 years old, just turned 19, by the way, like a young 19, and he's 1.2 points per possession on spot-ups. If Chet's not there, this is the guy you take. <laughs> yeah. This is it, and, that's, and this is the reason. And then in isolation, it's only 82 possessions, so about 50 less possessions than he was on spot-up. But he's in the 71st percentile, 0.91 points per possession. I mean, that's outstanding as well. Um, as the pick and roll man, he's in the, in the 92nd percentile on 53 or 39 possessions. He scored 50, 53 points, 1.35 points yep. per possession as a pick and roll man. Off a screen, he's in the 75th percentile, 1.1 points per possession. I mean, there's just a lot. To like. Yeah, and that for a six ten is hard to do. Like it's hard to play off screens. But just to just to uh, like make a silly comparison, uh, since we we are about or we will do the twenty eighteen redraft. Just think about the opportunity to draft Michael Porter Jr. without back issues and with some defense. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's how that's, that's that guy would, we are talking about. He would go in the top three. He would have gone in the top three if he didn't have it. You know, if he didn't have the yeah. back issues, that's where he would have yeah. gone. And with all the in weird, a stacked draft, yeah, and without all the weird political issues too, which is helpful. yeah. And to be to be fair, like MPJ is a better athlete, um, yeah. which is one of the knock that that, that um, Jabari has. Like he's not super athletic. Like Tyler Eason swat him, uh, yeah. I think twice uh, in the game because he he had a layup which was a little bit soft and not too uh not high enough um but again think about other players uh, i keep going back to Kawhi, which is an unfair comparison to anyone but i don't think that Kawhi is a uber athletic that he likes to pass the ball he's just a very tough defender the toughest of the defenders with a killer jumper and like a crazy uh, mentality in terms of focusness and ability to be in the moment, to play in the moment. Now that part we don't know, but the skill set is some some of the of the of Kawhi's traits are in, in Jabari, and and I think yeah. that that will work extremely well with OKC. Yeah, you look at his defense. Opponents were shooting 0.61 points per possession when he was defending them. Yeah. He's in the 95th percentile in all of college basketball on that stat. And it's a little noisy. Like any defensive stat is noisy. Um, but you look up and down, like in spot up situations, 85th percentile. In isolation per, uh, situations, 80th percentile. As the pick and defending the pick and roll ball handler, 92nd percentile. Yeah. And he checks the eye test. I mean, yeah. you can just see him being everywhere, being able to slide with much faster players um and there is um uh, a comment from dan one 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 three four killer jumper yes but amazing handle too uh i think he mentioned Kawhi. yes but if you remember how Kawhi went in the league that ball handling was not there he like, wasn't an, he was thought to be a non-offensive player exactly like and, and again it's unfair to ask anybody to mimic what, what Kawhi did. It's a huge My job. point is, that skill set, the fact that he, he is a crazy good defender with a crazy good shot at that size, it's a premium in the league. There are very few players that are like that, and those players are extremely good. Think about Middleton. I mean, 
you think about him and say, hey, good defender, nice shot. Yeah, he can pass the ball too. So it's there are many examples. And, and I remember when we discussed, I think it was um, maybe on a, on the OKC Dream Team, I got a question, what is the prototype of player that you want to put uh, to materialize in OKC without paying anything? And I said, well, either Paul George or Chris Middleton, which is exactly that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Chad gives you a totally different player, mm-hmm. uh, a player that can fail because his body can fail him. But if if that doesn't fail him, he will be a sensational player because mm-hmm. he is a great shooter. I can I, I really bank on his shot to be to translate immediately to the league, and he has so many other things. Um, so I'm with you. I will probably go with Chet if if he's there, um, and then Jabari. Yeah. Uh, right after this quick break, we're going to talk about Paulo Banquero, discuss his stats and his potential fit with the Thunder. Right after this. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com dunk. That's linkedin.com dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back after that quick break. Let's discuss Paolo because he's somebody that I think is going under discussed in the Thunderverse uh, as a player that could fit here. I mean, here's like the argument that you could use with him and with the history of the Thunder is that they had... Durant and Westbrook and they could have gone you could have said they need a point guard really you know to fit in with those guys they need a Ricky Rubio or a Steph Curry and then you really just really need shooting next to them they went for another creator yeah and a creator off the bounce and you think like oh with Giddy and with Shea like you don't really need another on-ball creator it's kind of a similar conversation that we were having about Westbrook and Durant, where it was like, we don't really need another on-ball creator. We need somebody else. Well, they took the the other on-ball creator. And that's what Paolo is compared to these other two, is that he's, he's going to have the best shot to be the best on-ball creator taken in the top three. And you look at his synergy stats, they don't, they're not as efficient. Like, just like flat out, he's not as efficient of a player um, you look at he's the in the 75th percentile as an offensive player, 0. 0.96 points per possession, still good, uh, not nearly as efficient as Jabari Smith was. Uh, you look at the types of possessions that he was good on, uh, he's best off off of cuts, which yep. he didn't do a whole lot, but but enough. He's 1.4, which is the 88th percentile. That's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so a guy that can handle, create his own shots, and create off of cuts, like that sounds yeah. pretty thundery. Um, yeah. As the pick and roll man, uh, he's 1.2 points per possession. That's the 78th percentile in all of college basketball. That's really good. And off of handoffs, he's better than what Jabari was. He's 1.04 points per possession, 79th percentile. That's also very good. Um, you look at other situations where he wasn't as good as a spot-up shooter. 
he was in he's in the forty third percentile. Yeah. Amongst everybody in college basketball, point eight five points per possession, which is average. Um, in isolation, 0.82 points per possession in the 59th percentile, just a little above average. Um, so there's good and bad with Paulo. He's still young. Yeah. He's younger. Than, he's a he's a half year younger than Chet. And those offensive things that he possesses, like you could talk yourself into like those being things that the Thunder would want. But to me, what you need is somebody that can spot up better than that. Um, and maybe he does. And we're talking about a 19-year-old unfinished product. Um, yep. He could turn into a great you know, spot-up shooter. Um, but you do worry a little bit about defensively, what does he look like? Because he's clearly the worst of the three defenders. Um, yes. And you, ju- you, have to, you have to wonder, but this is where you... If you take him, you're betting on the Thunder culture. You're betting on the coaching from Mark Degnault. And this would be like another reason why you have a Kenrich Williams in your locker room. Is like, Kenrich sets the tone for everybody. Yeah. Like, if you're not defending, Kenrich Williams is going to slap the taste out of your mouth if you're not defending. Like, he's, he's going to come. I mean, I asked Mark about it before. He said, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and Mark's even like, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, you know, Kenrich is going to have you by the collar and he's going to be telling you what you need to be doing. Yeah. And it's important to have those kind of guys in the locker room, these culture setting players that have made it in the NBA because of work ethic only. Like that's like, that's what has helped Kenrich yeah. get to where he is is because everybody respects that man so much. And he's somebody that I honestly forget that's, that he's even on the team because we didn't get to see him play all that much down the stretch. But you're if you're taking Paulo, you are betting not you're betting on him to be the best on ball creator in the class, and mm-hmm. you're betting on your team culture changing him. You know that's what you're that's that is what you're betting on moving forward. And it could be the right, that could be the answer. I mean, if we got to draft night and that's who they called, I mean, James Harden was not like a lockdown defender, you know, at Arizona. And he never became a lockdown (laughs) defender either. Yeah. But they took him anyways. Like my point is that like, it's not stupid to think that Paolo Bancaro is the guy for the thunder. I don't, I don't think it's outrageous to think that. Um, he does seem to be firmly the third guy. Yeah. But you can make the case for him at one or two as well. And I don't, I think that we need to not ignore it because it's the consensus right now is Chet Jabari. That's the consensus. Everybody's on board with that. I have heard very, very few people that have a big platform say, and, and it's important to say a big platform because those are the people that are plugged in the most with what's going on around the league. It's important to note that because they yeah. talk to general managers, they talk to people, and all, there's the Thunder won't tell you anything that they're doing, mm-hmm. which is good, and it makes our job a little bit more difficult and a little bit more fun. But there's GMs out there that'll tell you just flat out, hey, this is who we like. like it's no secret the Pistons like Keegan Murray. And how do we know that? It's because their general manager in their front office t- is telling everybody. That's who we like Keegan Murray. Now are they going to take Wouldn't him? Can you do it anyway just to not getting calls from Sacramento saying, "Hey, we really really want to trade you." Uh you can tra- like it's there is a lot of smoke screens. Uh there I remember is. once uh, a general is. manager here in Italy asked me to Put up, put out some news about like certain players being involved. It's 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 common, but yes, I, I agree with you. There, there are teams that just they're just airtight. Nothing goes out, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. Um, Banquero is to me the, the first question is about what kind of team you want to be. Like, yeah. do you want to be the team that has? Banquero and another player in, in um, as a center. I don't think that OKC can have the luxury of that. Um, 
I think that if you take Mancaro, then you need to play another big forward that can be mobile enough to to switch and to be a floor spacer. You really need that. Um, yeah. Even if Bancaro gets to average shooting, because he's not a shooter. Uh, he, he's not a shooter yet. So for the first couple of years, I think that it will be hard to see him as, hey, I'm the guy who just stay on the corner and, and, and wait for a spot up, or even to place himself there. He can be a guy that pick and pops. Um, but I don't see him as a guy who will serve as a floor spacer. And you need mm-hmm. to have efficiency because Paolo will not be efficient mm-hmm. uh, early in his uh, in his career, which is a problem. I mean, OKC was terrible with Basley on the court, yeah. with uh, Giddy and Shea, because of the fact that he's extremely inefficient. Yeah, like This is the thing that pulls me away the most. But if you then think about the fact that he's 6'10", 250, that there is no reason why he should not be your starting center. Um, and the fact that you can find, even if it's hard, with the number 12 pick, probably you have a way to draft a wing that can shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. And then it makes a little bit more sense because Paolo will have gravity anyway because he's a guy that can pass the ball like crazy. That is the thing that that I like the most. He's a guy that can create for himself. It was elite when the games mattered the most. Um, and that can really function in a high-level type of offense, mm-hmm. which is what I think OKC wants to create. Like, Jabari is a ball stopper. Chet is not. Um, but Paolo is, a, is probably the best passer of the top four. Easily. He's... He's Easily. much better than, than Ivy. I yes. think the Chet has had less uh, opportunities to be a creator because of role. And I think that Paolo, even if Mark Williams is a good player and I really like him, I don't like him alongside Paolo. Like, he he does not provide spacing and Paolo was able to even play with that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um making life extremely easy for Mark Williams and making life a little bit harder on himself. Like, AJ Griffin was a good shooter, but Took as a team didn't have very good spacing and didn't have very good pick and roll play. Mm-hmm. Show me Paolo with Gideon Shea in a pick and roll setting, and then we'll discuss if he's useless. Because I think that Paolo will just grab the ball uh, after a short roll and create for others, and just yes. being a nightmare for centers. But he has to play in that position, and you have to be mindful about how you you create your team with Jabari and Chet. I think that, I mean, those give you flexibility with other players. You can think about drafting Sohan and and Jabari. Yeah. I mean, if you have Giddy, Shea, Paolo, and Sohan, and Dort. It's a lot of non-shooting. Exactly. It's a lot of guys that you are hoping become average shooters. Is, yeah. is what it is. I should not stop yeah. saying non-shooting because the thing with like Dort, Dort is not a non-shooter. Like, Andre Robertson was a non-shooter. Yeah, like that's a good description of him. shooters. Let's call him that way. Yeah, yeah. He's in if he Dort as of now is inefficient. I tend to, and this is why I've held on to like my Dort hope for a long time. Is that I think that Dort, when he's in a more simplified role, which he will be this year, because the pecking order is changing. It's going to change this year significantly. You put Dort as a guy who takes like eight shots a night instead of 16 shots a night. If he takes, if he's just taking shots from the corner and attacking closeouts, then I think that he's going to have an opportunity to be like a 36% three point shooter. Yeah. Because which he doesn't grant him gravity, but it will improve his efficiency. It'll improve his efficiency. It'll improve the team. Like period. It will improve the game flow and it will, I think that Dort will finally be put back into the role that he was supposed to be in initially. Um, and that's the role that he was with that Chris Paul team. I was like, you are our primary defender. You know, when we play against Memphis, you are gonna, you're, we're going to throw you onto John Morant. And you're just yeah. going to try to wear out John Morant all night. Like that's, yeah, and don't worry about offense. You'll just, you can just rest in a corner and we will find you. Exactly. And they're not going to, yeah. they won't guard him there. <laughs> You know, no, but he but, is. Yeah. I mean, at the end, PJ Tucker is a forty percent shooter from the corners, and probably yeah. uh, if you include the wing three, he's a 
I don't know, 34, 35, 36. Yeah. I mean, Dort, people were closing out yeah. on PJ Tucker. So eventually, if you have enough of the volume, like if you take six threes per game, mm-hmm. but those are the six shots you take, uh, and you may take eight, say eight with 2.5 being twos and the rest being threes, yeah. and hit them at a 36 clip, that is a player that is efficient. Yeah, um, exactly. And it he will it will allow him to be like if if he's hot then yes take ten trees even in a game but it's mm-hmm. not your to yours to like take a pull up jumper yeah. uh, it's not you to have to create uh, shots because there is nobody else mm-hmm. like it will be fourth or fifth in the packing order mm-hmm. and he will he can play against the fifth worst defender which yeah. is very good for him yes and Paolo. Like, uh, there was a comment, uh, is Paolo Passer. He's, a, he's an amazing passer. Amazing like, passer. For, for a big man, he, he is not Jokic because nobody is Jokic. Um, but he is, um, I would say, way above average for his size in terms of passing. Uh, he's a guy that can probably handle um, a lot of possessions for, for his team and, and allow them to be, to be an efficient team. Uh, he's a guy that can like pass the ball um, to the corner and being very precise mm-hmm. and, and also doing like fancy passes. Like he's a very, very talented player. Mm-hmm. And I think that Duke used not a ton of that. And yeah. in a system like OKC, that can be, uh, that can improve, improve a lot. And again, uh, as you mentioned before, and then I'll let you talk because I'm uh, rambling too much. Uh, it's, <laughs> you don't have enough shot creators. And I know that the yeah, shooting is something that, uh, but 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 you had to have like three elite shot creators, something that I think it's it's very intriguing because I think yeah. that they will make guys like Dort better. Like if you add Paulo to that mix and Paulo set in the screen, which he will set monster screens in the NBA, and he will roll to the basket, and you have to if it's if it's Shea and Paulo, Paulo's rolling to the rim, Shea finds him on the short roll. He throws to Dort in the corner wide open. Dort is a 40% three-point shooter for his career from the corners. Yeah. And I expect that to not stay, by the way. If he becomes a primarily forty or primarily a corner three-point shooter, I expect that to come down some. Yeah. However, if he's 36 or 38%, like that that is a weapon. Like he becomes a two-way weapon then and becomes one of the yeah. better three and D guys in the NBA. And I think Paulo has the ability to unlock that a little bit easier than the other guys do. Um, Jabari is going to do it with his gravity, and Chet can do it with his passing some, but not to the degree that Paulo can. Yeah, I, I completely agree on that, on that. He is by far uh, the best in, in that uh, in that regard. And, and again, uh, the shooting is is not good right now. Um, yeah, but there, like ninety-nine. 99.9% of the executive, if you told them from the future, hey, Paolo will be a 37% three-point shooter from his career, he goes number one. Yeah, he would go number one. I, I think that that is the difference between Chet, well, maybe not number one, but I would probably taking number two without hesitating too much mm-hmm. because... A 37 percent 250 guy who can play the center as the primary role with 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 the potential to be uh, an assist machine. I mean, give me that guy. Um, yeah. But but the the question on his shot is actually a big one. Like it is to me, there is equal chance for him to be a low 30 inefficient player and like a guy who can take shots it doesn't have to be versatile with the shot this is the beauty i mean he can just take corner and top of the key like muscala does muscala doesn't take wing trees too much mm-hmm. it's mostly but but that's enough because if if you are open then relocate to the corner and take a shot from there or you just play pick and pop uh, that it doesn't have to be a shooter on the move mm-hmm. like for shay it's enough to have a standstill shooter that opens the, the the box a little bit for him, 
And Muscala, if you check the, the percentage of his for his career, is a 36-37% shooter. He had an amazing season because Shea is a very good passer and he was able to give him very good uh, open shots. Mm-hmm. Like if Paolo is that, 36-37% from the top of the key on two, three, four attempts, and when he's feeling it, it goes to 10. Um, that's enough. Mm-hmm. That's more than enough because the rest... The rest is very intriguing because if if a big man guards Paolo on an island and he has to worry about that shot, I mean Paolo can kill many big men oh, <laughs> that, yeah. that go out and, and try to um, to stay with him uh, when he put the ball in, on the ground because Paolo is very good at attacking. So mm-hmm. if you if you have that in your mind and he goes into your gym and does like crazy good workouts. Uh, from a three-point shooting um, standpoint, I would be hard-pressed to think really hard about drafting him. Yeah. And he's, he's like, legitimately a fun person, too, which I think (laughs) would be great. And I just like that. Um, He is from Seattle. We'd have to, uh, you know, convince him that Oklahoma City is not so bad and that we didn't steal the team we promised. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but if you look at his percentages, like he's 33.8% from three. He yeah. took 133s in 39 games. You know, that's three threes per game. I mean, you, you compare that to Jabari, and it's significantly different. You know, he hit 42% of his threes on five and a half attempts, 188 threes, 42%. And those are difficult, difficult shots you can argue that maybe he will be better than that at the NBA level with receiving passes from guys like Giddy and Shea who are going to put it right on the money. And it's, you know, it's going to be outstanding. So uh, more draft stuff coming at you. We were going to talk about 12. We talked too much about two. And we're going to talk too much about two because two is one of the most important things to happen to this franchise. So thanks so much for listening and supporting the show. Uh, we will have another podcast for you Wednesday. And Friday this week, hope you guys uh, are, are doing great. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.